Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from our training facility in Weatherford, Oklahoma on a beautiful Tuesday morning and a lot of things to go over today. Been a busy, busy week of training. One of the previous episodes I talked about a set of colts that I have that started roping on them and uh it's just amazing how quickly some horses lock onto that even though they're not bred at all to do that to be rope horses you know when you look at their genetics and their papers but there are a lot of those running bred horses that will lock onto a cow and it makes it makes it pretty fun and you can tell they enjoy it i tell you one in particular i've got a pc frenchman's heyday colt that uh, was kind of a turd when I started him. I mean, he was, he was, he would definitely had some resistant qualities about him and good, good horse. But he was like, he's kind of the alpha male around here with the other colts. You know, if he's around him, you can tell even standing tied on the, tied on the hitching rack, you know, they don't mess with him. But boy, about the second day when I put my hand down and he locked onto that calf and he slid to a nice little stop. Oh, that was, that was fun. And you could tell he was having fun. He enjoyed it. I mean, because you, you think about it from a Colts perspective, they have no idea what's coming each day when you put that bridle in their mouth. And so for like him... I think when he when he figured out that that's what we were going to be doing, and and he would, uh, you know, it's kind of like playing a game of tag, is what it's like, and that that colt he really locked on. Another filly that uh, I'm actually riding for Wade and Gentry a little bit and just roping on, roping on her for them. They're gonna they're gonna sell her, and uh, Gentry would done 99% of the training on this mare and it did just a great job on her really nice filly coming five and I told him I'd rope on her a little bit well last night was the third time I had roped on her and I was I was breakaway and in the lane in the return lane and there were there at the end there were two or three of them calves where I I let them get out at way ahead of me and really buzzed her up on them and uh she melted to a stop i mean looked she looked and felt really good and same thing there looking at her paper she's a running bred horse i mean she's you know according to genetics and papers she's she should be a barrel horse but well, I tell you what, after last night, she feels more like a rope horse to me. And and the roping's going to do nothing but help the barrels. I mean, Boone, the gelding that you've heard me talk a lot about, 
that I've been, we just got back from Tanarinic about a week or so ago. Like with him, I've been roping on him out of the box. And, well, I'm going to tell you what, like when, when they figure out what you're doing and they figure out that it's their job where that release point is to catch up to that calf and get to that spot, and that's where I'm going to deliver my rope and let them melt to a stop. I mean, this son of a buck, he was getting it. I'll tell you what, he was running so hard that a couple times I picked up on him as we were going because he felt like he was smooth running off. Well, when I finally, <laughs> and about this second or third one he did that on, I was like, well, I'm just going to keep my hand down and see what happens. He He got to that spot, and he was a little strong, like he was clipping the back feet on that calf, but he stayed right there. Well, he was just, he figured out that, we're fixing to chase this cat. We got to catch up to this calf and get to that spot. And he was, I mean, running. And uh, like, like I said, there at first it felt like we were running smooth off, but he just figured out that's that's what his job was. And holy buckets, he found a new a new gear. Well, you know, like for him and those other horses that's going to carry over to when you go down the alleyway and you get to your spot and you sit and you melt and you help them horses get ready for a change in speed, get ready for a change in direction. I mean, it's just, a, I tell you what, it is just great for them to help them be diverse and it's fun. Like yesterday, those horses were having fun getting to that spot. I mean, because if, if, if they don't have the motivation themselves to get to that spot, they're not going to try that hard. I wasn't having to help them much. All I was doing was putting my hand down and letting them know it's okay to go. And I mean, they were blowing up in there and, and, you know, not all of them, the, the greener, the younger horses, of course, I mean, I, I try to the the cattle I have around here, I can kind of match the stock to the horse's ability or where they're at in the training process. You know, I can put, you know, and if I have one that a horse that's a little strong and a little flighty, I'll put them on a slower calf. If I've got one that's a little lazier, I'll put them on a calf that, that I know will run a little bit more. And, you know, just tracking around, you don't, you don't want to put them in the box until they're really, really patterned in the field like I, I didn't run a calf off of Boone out of the box until he was just almost robotic in the field because when you put him in the box it's like putting a racehorse colt in the starting gates it doesn't take long before they figure out with the bang of that gate you know that that stimulates a reactive response which is the flight response and, you know, it's a, it's a tricky combination in the roping and, and in the barrel racing and in any speed event, because you need the benefit of that speed. Well, the speed is a flight response. 
you need all the speed you can get, but at the same time, in that split second, they need to melt back and flip that switch back to the thinking side of their brain. And in a lot of horses, as they get more seasoned, experienced, as they get progressed, they they know that there's going to be that change coming. So I think even when they're running as hard as they can in the back of their mind, they're getting ready. And they understand that, that at some point there's going to be a change. And, you know, that's, that's the, uh, that's the beauty of, of being able to rope a little bit on these horses. And like I told you in an earlier episode, you really, it doesn't matter how good you rope the, you know, the horses don't know if you're catching the neck or not. They, they don't care. You, you can just, there's a lot of times that I might just hold my rope and run a horse up into position, let them melt to a stop. Put them back on the calf, get in position, hold them in that, you know, let them be in position for a stride or two, melt them to a stop. You know, they still get the same benefit. They still get that same feel with your body, whether you throw a rope or not. Now, the the benefit of being able to deliver your rope or throw your rope is, you know, if you, uh, when you throw your rope, you know, it gets them used to those other moves. And then when you pull your slack, that's a real big trigger. That's a real big signal that tells them to get ready. Well, it's the same thing you do when you sit going into a stop because what you're doing when you pull your slack you make that big move with your body to bring your slack from reaching forward to pulling it back to pitching it in the air well horses really start to cue off of that and so that's the benefit of being able to rope but at the same time, even if you don't rope very good and you were just swinging your rope on the side and you threw your rope out there and then after you threw your rope out there, you gave your horse a stride or two and then you just sat down and melted them to a stop. Whether you, whether you ever hit one in the head or get it around the neck or whatever, you're, you're, still, you're still creating that, that timing. And, and so... You know, just because you don't rope good doesn't mean you can't put your put your horse on a calf or a steer or cow. It gives them, you know, like I said, it's it's like playing. It's like a game of tag for them. They get to that spot, they melt to a stop. Get to that spot, melt to a stop. Get to that spot, melt to a stop. Well, there's a lot of other disciplines where when we get to a spot, we want to melt our horses to a stop, not necessarily to a stop, but we want to change. We want some rate. You know, for me, I could never put rate in a horse unless I had a great stop. If I had a great stop, then the rate was easy. But if I didn't have a great stop, the rate was not easy for me. Now, for somebody else, they may be able to do it opposite. Maybe they, maybe they can get great rate in their horse and, and not have much of a stop, you know, and if, and if you can more power to you, for me, that just never has, 
I, I just never have been successful with developing great rate in my horse, change in speed without having without having that that soft stop. I always think about it like I'm trying to melt them into a stop. Now don't get me wrong, are there times I have to apply firm pressure to get them to find that answer? Absolutely. You know, I don't I don't ever want anybody to think that, you know, that I'm the guy that never has to pick up their bridle reins or apply any pressure or contact and my horses, you know, are like they're reading my mind of what what I want them to do. No. I mean, I I have to help them just like you do. I mean, you know, don't don't think that you're alone if if at one point you have to pick up a bridle rein and and your horse instead of instead of following that rein, you know, pushes his rib cage in it's his nose in the opposite direction and you have to hold that firm pressure until they find that release point. I had to do that once with Boone yesterday. When you when you rope on those horses out of the box, you got to be really, really good about helping them understand where the release points are in the box. For me, it's always at the mouth of the box, right, like on the calf roping side, right to the right of the front of the chute. When I ride my horse up, I put my hand down, release. When I back my horse into the corner and I get them, even like with him, even if he just gets close to the corner and it's not perfect, but he's standing on all fours, I'll put my hand down and provide that release. Because here's what happens. If you put that horse in the corner and then they hit the corner and then you don't think things are perfect and the whole time you're in their mouth and you're wrestling them around and pulling on them, tugging, that horse has no idea what the hell you want him to do. And what happens is they start to associate the corner with being a bad place. Well, as soon as we get that in their mind, we're going to have problems. You know, because the thing is anymore with scoring coming out of that corner, I mean, your, your horse has got to score perfect. I mean, that's it. I mean, pretty good, like a horse that scores pretty good. That's not good enough. Not if you're going to compete and it doesn't matter if you're at a junior high, high school, college, professional, I promise you, wherever you go, there will be a group of competitors whose horses score to where they can leave when they want to. And anymore, there's a lot of people that handle their rope really good. I mean, there has been the progression in the roping is been awesome. I mean, there are, there are a bunch of girls out there that I don't want to shake my loop out against because there are a bunch of girls out there that will wear you out <laughs> with the, with how good they handle their rope. It is, it's really fun to see. It is really fun to see. So anyway, just that, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today was just you know, um, give you a little progress report on how that's going. And, and I'm going to keep you updated as I'm going to, you know, we're having some really nice weather right now. And 
days are nice so we're going to get a chance to rope on some horses and uh makes me feel so much better about those colts giving them something to do giving them a job and and you know it's it's a great way to give them a workout but it's a it's really a great way to help them understand where the release point is when when they get to that spot it helps us become really good with our hands as far as putting our hand down help them when we need to otherwise leave them alone let them make mistakes they're gonna make mistakes so that that's one of the things i wanted to talk about another thing i wanted to talk about today we had a question come in from one of our listeners and this is this is a question from shelly fink and she's looking at buying a two-year-old that in her words is a lot of horse barrel slash running bread and shelly says it's more horse than i've ever had or trained what can i do to keep them sane and safe well, first of all, that's a great question. And you got half the battle won because right off the bat, you understand that you need to do some things to help this horse. The next question she has is, would you trail ride them and haul them to low pressure settings for their for their whole first year before ever introducing speed? You know, that right there is, there's a lot of answers to that question. And there's There'll be a lot of different opinions if you ask 10 different people. But the biggest thing for me, number one, I'm not going to go trail ride a horse that I don't have a lot of confidence in. I'm not going to go trail ride a horse that I don't have great lateral and vertical softness. Because here's what happens if you take those horses, see a running bred horse is already bred physically and conformation wise to have a long stride and to to really extend with its movements well that's if if later on you want that horse to do any maneuvers with speed you need to help that horse collect and understand right from the start that we need to soften, we need to get round in our back, we need to we need to put our body in a position where we can get our hind leg underneath us and not be so front end loaded because those horses are naturally front end loaded just like all horses are. It's real easy if you take and like growing up, I'll give you this example, like growing up, we'd get on those horses, my dad would snub them, we'd get on them, he would snub those colts around a little bit and as soon as he figured out i could i could pull them in a circle with one rein he handed me the lead rope and off we went on a big ride well which that was good for getting a ride underneath them but it wasn't any good for their softness it wasn't any good for their collection it taught those horses to get strung out i lean more towards getting that horse soft, working on collection, making sure I have control of their feet. And, you know, doing doing simple exercises that builds confidence and builds confidence daily. The riding outside is great. Trail riding's great for those horses because the horse needs to think about where they place their feet. The only thing 
that I would caution anybody on is before you go trail ride, you better be able to have, you better have complete control of their feet so that you can control where their feet go and, and when they go. That, that's one thing I would say on that. Now, now Shelly's got the right idea here about taking, taking the time, whether I don't put, I don't put a lot of timelines on things like it's hard to say, you know, when you say, should I trail ride the horse for the whole first year before ever in introducing speed? Well, the timeline isn't, isn't what's important. It's the, the frequency of repetitions. Here's, here's the thing with timelines and you hear it all the time about like, you know, creating habits. It takes 21 days, 30 days, 260 days to create a habit. The timeline, and I've changed my tune on this a little bit over, over the years. The timeline to me is kind of irrelevant because it's the frequency of repetitions that matters. So it's just like in a year's time, you know, somebody might go trail ride that horse five times. Somebody might go trail ride that horse 25 times. Well, the the frequency of repetitions is much more important than the timeline. So as far as that goes, I would just make sure if I was, if I had that two-year-old and I wanted to keep that horse sane and safe, first of all, I would get control of all five body parts. I would have that horse very soft laterally and vertically, which would result in great collection. I would have control of that horse's feet and that horse would understand. You know, I would have some time on that horse's back to where when I pick up that bridle rein, that horse knows something's coming. They, they know that when they feel that signal from that, say your left rein, they know that there's a release point over there because you're gonna need, you're gonna need all of that when you go out trail riding. Because when you go out trail riding, there's a real chance, a real good chance that something's going to happen to stimulate the flight response or the reactive side of that horse's brain, whether it be, you know, scare them and they try to run off, jump sideways six feet, whatever. I mean, I don't care how, you know, how much you've rode a two-year-old colt and you come up on a thicket, you know, and a, and a pheasant flies out of it, it is going to stimulate a response. I promise you. So, you know, you really have to have control of that horse's mind and body when you put them in that situation. Otherwise, what happens is you can, you can, you know, like I always talk about, you're either building confidence or destroying it. Well, you can put that, that horse in a position where you destroy all the confidence that you've built up to that point. So that's one thing I'd be, you know, that that's one way I would approach that. Now, um, another question Shelly has is, she says, would you try and ride them on 30 outdoor rides, 100 miles, etc.? Is there a baseline metric to shoot for? Here again, the timeline, there's really not a baseline metric to shoot for because 
just like we always talk about, just like when I go down and start saddling colts this morning and I, I start through my warm up, they're going to tell me where I need to be better. And, and really, and truly that's it. If, if I get on one of those colts and, and, uh, oh, say I step in that stirrup and they go to walk off. Well, they're telling me you need to be better about stepping in that stirrup, helping me understand that I need to keep my feet still. And then once your butt hits the saddle, you need to sit there, do some softening exercises. Let me sit with my feet still, because what that Colt's telling me is they're anticipating what we're going to do next. Well, as long as we listen to our horses, and, and when I say listen to them, I mean, I'm not talking about listening with your, our ears. When I, when I say, as long as we listen to our horses, I mean, watch what they're telling us with their behavior and their mannerisms. And that will tell us what we need to work on. I was watching a video of Chris Cox yesterday. I came in at lunch and clicked Cowboy Channel on and, and he was, uh, Chris was working a colt on the ground and, and he said the same thing. He said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work this. He's working this, this colt on the, uh, with just with a halter and a lead rope. And he said, I'm going to watch this horse's body. And this colt's going to tell me where I need to soften him. Well, that's what I'm meaning. When I say, if I'll listen, they'll tell me where they need help. You know, so the, the, 30 outdoor rides and, you know, riding them a hundred miles, uh, here again, it's not, it's not so much the numbers, it's the quality of exposure. I mean, there can be exposure for your horse. There can be things you do that, that you expose your horse to that are detrimental and there are things you can expose them to that are going to be a benefit, you know? So it's a, it's a day-to-day process. You, there, there is no program out there that lists it out in a outline form that works for everybody, or we would all be doing it. I mean, we're not stupid people, you know? So that's, that's the thing there. And I mean, that's why this is a, such a great question because Shelly's, Shelly's thinking along the right lines. She's, she's got half the battle won just by understanding that she's going to have to do some things to help this horse. But, but at the same time, I can't, and nobody else can, can give you this either those timelines and that outline of exactly what to do. There's, the program, your program, and Shelly, I know you're listening, your program that you implement with this Colt, it will work, but you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to go, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days, then this for 30 days, then this for 20 days, because at the end of 30 days, your horse might need 30 more days, or your horse might be doing really good at the end of 15 days. So the timelines, the timelines are somewhat irrelevant just 
what I'm going to tell you is just read your horse, read your horse. But initially, get control of all five body parts. Have your horse soft. Have your horse soft laterally, vertically, laterally and vertically. Have great collection. Have control of their feet. You know, you're always remember you're controlling their feet through their mind. That's the big thing. So I got to wrap this up. Hey, I want to ask everybody, if you would, on any of these episodes, please share them. Um, That would really help us. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week of training. God bless each and every one of you. And as always, today and every day, let's be our best. Hey, everybody. Today's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship is brought to you by our awesome sponsors, Classic Equine, Martin Saddlery, Cinch, Perina, Healthy Coat, Silver Lining Herbs, Starbar, Clarify, and Better Horses. These brands have been a part of our program for many years and their products continue to play a very important role in the success of our performance horse training program. To support these brands, please head over to philhaugenhorsemanship.com and click on our sponsors tab.